Heavenly Father, you have blessed our nation these many years. And Father, we know that in recent years, Lord, it seems that we've begun to turn our back on thee and thy word. Father, I pray that we might come back to thee, Father. That, Lord, you would do whatever it takes, Lord, to turn hearts around, to turn government around, that we might once again live and walk in obedience to your word here in the USA. And we know when that occurs, you will continue to bless America. And now, Father, as we come to your word, I pray that we might gain an understanding again, Lord, of how deep your love is for each one of us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles with me this morning, we're going to continue our series in the book of 1 John. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Title of my message this morning is Freed by Love. Freed by Love. And here again, at this point in his letter, the Apostle John comes back to the most important aspect he, he believes of the Christian life, <clears throat> and, and that is love. The, our love for God, but now he's going to put a great emphasis to his readers on God's love again for us. And that's the only reason we can love God is because he first loved us. And so look with me at verses 7 and 8. John writes, Beloved, and there he loves to use, he's the uh, apostle of love. So he calls his readers beloved. Beloved, let us love one another For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. For God is love. You know, as we're going through this book, you might be sitting here this morning and going, love again? You know, sometimes you hear that. We hear that so much, love one another, love one another. And, you know, and I don't know how many sermons you've heard preached on it or taught on it. And he says, I know I've heard that before. But there's a reason why John is putting such great emphasis and repeating himself um, because of, uh, of the importance of understanding What kind of love sent Jesus to the cross? And then what is it that allows us to love one another with that same kind of love? Now notice he begins by stating in verse 7 that love is from God. And then he goes farther and states in verse 8, God is love. Again, I think just it's important that, again, we understand the, 
the word love here in the Greek. All right. And again, you've heard it before, but it's it's important to repeat it when we understand what John is trying to say. Of course, the Greek word he's using here is agape, that word that was hardly ever used in the Greek language. And it was basically found in the New Testament. But there are many definitions for this kind of love. It's a love that sent Christ to Calvary. But let me give you a definition I found is, is I think, right on. Okay. Agape. Agape is a sacrificial love that voluntarily suffers inconvenience, discomfort, and even death for the benefit of another without expecting anything in return. Let me read that again. Agape is a sacrificial love that voluntarily suffers inconvenience, discomfort, and even death for the benefit of another without expecting anything in return. Now, when we talk about sacrificial love, of course, uh, when we come to celebrate a holiday like July 4th, we think of sacrifice. There are many other holidays in America we think of sacrifice as those who laid down their lives for our freedoms today. And there is sacrificial love in, in unbelief. Those, those who don't know Christ, they do perform, you know, sacrificial love. Love for their country, love for their family. And those who gave their lives out on the battlefields to protect America, what did they have? They had a love for their country and they were willing to lay down their life for it and our freedom. That is sacrificial love. But the love that John here is talking about, this agape love, Basically, it's the highest, it's the kind of love that has the highest good of the one loved. And namely this, that the person may come to a saving faith and conformity to Christ. You see, there is the deepest love. It's when we are loving with the love of Christ, which is the love of God. And that kind of love will make me willing to not just die for my country and not just die for my family, but even here's the difference, willing to die for my enemies. Have you ever thought about that? When was the last time, as I think of my own life, when was the last time that I can honestly say that I sacrificed myself for an enemy of Jesus Christ, an enemy of the cross, an enemy of God in some form? You know, we have trouble just loving ourselves, don't we, in the body of Christ. We, we find it difficult to, to love those who, who kind of rub us the wrong way. But this love takes us even farther. For Jesus Christ, 
bore our sins while we were yet sinners, Christ what? Died for us. That is the agape love here. So this is the love that John is trying to, again, remind us about. This deep, deep love of God. Now, I don't know if you have run into this before. You probably have. Of those people who will say, well, it, it says here, God is love. Therefore, um, we have to accept everybody. We have to accept every. If you're supposed to love everybody and God is love, then, then suddenly we're told that we are to accept sin in all its forms today. Right? And whatever, whatever comes our way, don't judge. Because remember, God is love. God is a God of love. And so there, there's those that go to the extreme. And then there are those that also have taken the stand. Well, if God is love, how could he send anybody to hell? Right? So we sometimes we'll think, think you know, is it would be unjust for God to send someone to hell. And so people basically say there's no hell. There can't be because God is love. But this is all misunderstood truth. Because the truth of the matter is two things. One, God is love, yes. But what is another characteristic of God? His holiness. His holiness. And yes, I understand that God is love. But I must understand the whole character of God. That he is a holy God. He demands holiness. And he, he, he will not uh, uh, bless and approve of sin. And that's why his son was sent to die in our place. So we must share with those who, who have a misunderstanding of this passage. Share with them that, yes, God loves you. God loves everyone. But he's a holy God who demands justice for sin and wrath and punishment for sin. And it's spelled out throughout the, the scriptures here. Now look at the rest of here, verse 7 and 8. The end of 7. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Here John again is saying, there's evidence. There should be evidence in your life and my life that I am born again. That I have been born of God. And you know what that evidence is again. We, went, we, we covered this in the past. That it is the love of God in my life that the world can see. That you can see. That I can see in you. It's a visible love. And how is that made visible? By my actions, by the way I, I, I uh, do good deeds for others sacrificially and love you in a tangible way. You know, John gives three reasons here why we should love. One, love is from God, agape love. 
Secondly, love is evidence that a person is born again, born of God. And then thirdly, John says, love demonstrates, love in my life, demonstrates that I know God. Have you ever talked to somebody who's uh, a, a believer and, and you just, when you're around them, you just can sense the love of Christ just by the way they, they, they're talking to you and, what, and their concern for you, their compassion, and you just see that love, the love of God in their life, and it just shines out. They are demonstrating that they are of God. They are truly of God. But look at verses 9 and 10 now. He goes on and he says, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. What's John basically saying here in verse 9? Notice he says, by this the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. God's love is seen in us because his Son was sent into our hearts when we trusted him by faith, so that Jesus now lives his life through me. And that's where the love comes from. When I received Christ into my heart, his love is loving through me. And that's what John is trying to get across here. Turn to Galatians 2.20 with me, if you would. Let's go over to Galatians 2.20. This kind of love, John here again is talking about. The Apostle Paul speaks of and makes this statement. Galatians 2, verse 20. I know some of you know this by heart. John, uh, I mean, Paul said, I have been, what? Crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Here it is. Who loved me and gave himself or delivered himself up for me. Notice Paul says, I'm no longer living my life like I did before I knew Christ. But I'm dead. The old Paul is dead. No longer do I live, but Christ lives in me. And so now the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And that is allowing Christ to be manifested in my life. And how often do I, do I fail him? Where I don't allow people to see Jesus in me. And, 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 and the old nature is still there. And, and suddenly that will get a hold of me with, with, with all its, its uh, ugliness. And, and then the image of Christ is pushed in the background. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
2 Corinthians 4, and Paul here again speaks to the church in Corinth. Philippians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. What is that treasure there? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. What's the earthen vessel? It's your body. It's my body. We all who are believers in Christ, we have that treasure in our bodies. And what is that treasure? It's Jesus himself. It's his Holy Spirit who was sent to you and to me when we were uh, accepted into the family of God. So we have this treasure. Therefore, Paul says, verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus. In other words, that's allowing myself, the old man in me, to stay dead. Because sometimes I like to allow him to rise up, but he's been crucified. This old Larry was crucified at the cross. And I will be completely eradicated from that old nature when I get to heaven. But I still battle it. But, I've got, but as long as I continue to die to Christ in my body, where I'm allowing that, look, look at the end of verse 10. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For who, for we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. That the, here he says again, verse 11, that the life of Jesus also be, may be manifested in our mortal flesh. You see, John, uh, John is saying the same thing Paul is saying. He's basically saying, you want to manifest the love of God? Then allow Jesus to be manifested in and through you to the world and to the others who are part of the body of Christ. As I allow Jesus to control me through his Holy Spirit, and I have the mind of Christ, I've been given the mind of Christ when I was saved, and I allow myself to continue to be conformed to the image of Christ by allowing his word to penetrate my life, my heart, my mind, so that it is changing me. And as I'm being changed more into the image of Christ, guess what? The love of God is going to be seen in my life because Jesus is going to love in and through me. Go back then, if you will, now. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 4. And I want you to look with me at the end of verse 10. And again, he said, you know, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Okay. And how did God show that love to us? And he sent 
his son to the, be the propitiation for our sins. The propitiation for our sins. There's a, there's a word that, uh, you know, when you first read it, if you haven't studied the Bible, uh, that word propitiation, we don't use that today, do we? You know, propitiation. And when I first read that, you know, uh, and I didn't understand really what it meant. But when you go back and understand um, this word in English, is translates the Greek word, which means to satisfy God's justice and wrath toward our sin. Let me say that again. Propitiation, this is what it is, if you want definition. To satisfy God's justice and wrath toward our sin. So God had to be satisfied with some kind of sacrifice so that he could give you everlasting life. So that he could forgive you your sins. There had to be a payment for sin. And it had to be a blood sacrifice. Now this word propitiation, uh, it's used a few times in the New Testament. But you don't find this word used in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew. But uh, there's a word in Hebrew that is equivalent to this propitiation, okay? Which means the sacrifice is satisfying to God. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was satisfying to God the Father in, for your sins and mine. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 16. Let's go to Leviticus, Old Testament. And I want you to see this here so we can get an understanding of the foreshadowing of the coming of Christ, the sacrifice that would come through Jesus Christ. But Leviticus 16, verse 11. Leviticus 16, pick it up at verse 11. Then Aaron, God's telling, he's giving out the law and what he requires for sin. From the Israelites. Then Aaron, who is the high priest, shall offer the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself. There's the equivalent word in the Old Testament. It's atonement. Okay? A, 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 an acceptable sacrifice to God for the sins of Israel. So he says... Aaron will offer a bull as a sin offering to make atonement for himself and for his household. And he shall slaughter the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself. He shall take a firepan full of coals of fire from upon the altar before the Lord. And two handfuls of fine ground sweet incense. And bring it inside the veil. What veil is that? That's in the, the tabernacle. And so he's entering into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is. Remember? Verse 13. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of incense may cover what? The mercy seat that is on the Ark of the Testimony lest he die. In other words, if Aaron doesn't do this, he's going to die right there on the spot. 
But what, what, what is he saying here? God is saying that Ark of the Covenant represents my presence. And so I'm requiring Aaron to go on behalf of himself, his family, and the rest of the nation of Israel and sprinkle a blood offering on that mercy seat. The mercy seat was the cover for the Ark of the Covenant. And so it was on that which was made of gold, on that mercy seat, there is where the blood would be dropped. Again, look at verse 15. I'm sorry, uh, let's go back to uh, verse 14. Moreover, he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. Also in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Now you're probably going, ew, that's gross. We don't like to talk about blood and all that stuff. But God is trying to get a point across that the only thing that God accepts as remission for sin is a blood sacrifice. And so this is a picture of what is to come, that this mercy seat is the cross and the blood sprinkled on it is the blood of Christ, the spotless lamb of God. Look at, again, verse 15. Then he shall slaughter the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. God required a goat to be sacrificed for all the people. And bring its blood inside the veil and do with it, would do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat, in the front of the mercy seat. And he shall make atonement. There's that word again. Propitiation, atonement. It's going to satisfy God temporarily. This is a temporary uh, satisfaction for God, uh, to God, for the sins of Israel. But they're not completely cleansed yet. That is going to happen at the cross of Christ. And then the blood of Christ that was shed that day on crucifixion day is retroactive, which means... It's vicarious. It goes all the way back and covers all the sins of the Israelites and everyone else through time. Not only present, future sins, but the past sins. The blood of Christ cleansed all, all sin. And so, so he had to take a goat and lay it out there. Take the goat and slaughter it as a sacrifice, as an atonement. And here, verse 16, And he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the impurities of the sons of Israel and because of their transgressions. And boy, do we all have still transgressions to deal with, don't we, every day? We struggle with our sin, and we don't know how in the world, Lord, am I going to, uh, you know, I, I struggle with this habit. I struggle with these thoughts. Lord, what do I do? And, and we get angry at ourselves. And we become, again, it's easy to go back and and enslave ourselves in our sin. But he says here, then he goes on and says, And thus he shall do for the tent of the meeting, which abides with them 
in the midst of their impurities. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2 now with me, okay? So I wanted you to see the picture of propitiation. And that was all a type of Christ, a type of his sacrifice. But Hebrews 2, let's go over to Hebrews 2 here quickly. Verse 17. And the writer of Hebrews, he, he, uh, he explains this all in depth. If you want to do a great study, do a, a personal study in the book of Hebrews. But Hebrews 2, verse 17. Therefore, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brethren, like you and me. He had to become flesh, become a human in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. And here it is. To make propitiation, there's that word again, propitiation for the sins of the people. For the sins of the people. Jesus is our high priest. He went when he shed his blood. He, he entered the Holy of Holies in heaven. And there he offered up his blood to the Father. And the Father accepted it and said, I am satisfied with this, your, your sacrifice for the sins of the, of the wicked world. And Jesus, and so this was the love demonstrated, the love of God demonstrated in the most practical way we could ever imagine. Here is that love. Turn back with me to 1 John, okay? And as we look at the end of our passage, here at 1 John, I want you to look then again at verse. 11. 1 John 4, 11. Beloved, John says then, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Period. There it is. We ought to love one another. And my friends... Can I be told enough that I need to love the brethren? No, I can't. God knew that. John knew that. That we as the, the family of God. Have you ever had to tell your kids over and over again about something? That you told them not to do or to do, but they just didn't listen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've all been there and had to deal with the kids that just, I told you. Do you remember what I told you? Do I have to repeat it again? God is saying this through John. I need to repeat it again. Love one another. And love with the love that is in your heart through the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ by way of his Holy Spirit. And look back. Look back and realize that there on that cross, the price was officially paid in full for my sins and yours. And if Jesus did that for me, how can I do less for you? And how can you do less for the brothers and sisters in Christ? Here it is. 
as we enter this week, may we ask the Lord just to fill us with his love and may he control us in such a way that Jesus is manifested in my body. Through my words, through my actions, the way I speak, the way I care, the way I, I show compassion for those in need and try and help those who are hurting. Let's do that and just surrender ourselves to the love of God. Let's pray together. With heads bowed this morning, before the Lord, dear Christian, is there someone who's come to mind that you honestly can say, I haven't been loving? Someone has hurt me deeply a brother and sister in Christ or maybe it's just someone who does not know God and is not a believer but you haven't been able to show that love the love that was shown to you on Calvary would you tell the Lord right now say dear Lord forgive me for the sin of being unloving Father, help me to love as you love me. And Father, help me to love that person and show that love, even though I know I don't, may not feel it. Lord, I understand that this love, this agape love, is a choice, not just a feeling. Lord, help me to love. Would you do that, Christian? Make that commitment this morning. If you're here without Christ, I invite you to accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. He died for you. He shed his blood in your place. He took the punishment for your sin. And if you would but come to the cross now and open your heart and receive him by faith, you will be forgiven your sins. You can have the love of God. You can have Christ living in you and your sins will be forgiven. And you have a free gift of eternal life. If you're ready to make that decision, would you just pray with me now? Just pray quietly in your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me. You took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now and wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. And with head still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now a child of God. You are, are saved, you're forgiven, and you have everlasting life. And you can be certain that you are his child forever and ever welcome to the family of God heavenly father I thank you so much Lord again for loving us with an everlasting love and help us Lord to love that same way one another we pray this in Jesus wonderful and precious name amen amen